This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. Thought they could start a business about, you know, there's a real thing when a man starts a business around some sort of, like, female topic, like children's clothing. Everyone thinks in that meeting that he must be really on to a money-making idea, but if a woman pitches the exact same business, it's a hobby. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable White Ladies. One, two, two. Interchangeable White Ladies. Inter- interchangeable. In- interchangeable White Ladies. to start today's episode with a quick note to our listeners. Um, you know that our focus of the show is to help white people to be less basic and then to use our platform to amplify the voices of women and women of color in particular. Today's episode was recorded at the end of May prior to George Floyd's murder and all of the things that have ensued since then. And so with that in mind, we just want to give you a little bit of context that this episode does center a white woman. She is a business owner in the community. We've had lots of conversations about whether or not to release this episode, but we think that our conversation has a lot of value in terms of what does it mean to start a business in a community and be aware of what's going on and then also to like use that particular space and that platform for the betterment of the community Um, and so we hope that this episode will give you some food for thought and regarding that we also want listeners to know that we are in the middle of recording several episodes with black women business owners and so whatever we do on the show we also want to make sure that we are not hypocrites and so we just want folks to know that that is currently where we're at and that we are continuing to try to be better to try to be more intentional about the shows that we record and the way that we release them so we hope that you will get something out of this episode today and thank you for listening welcome to the interchangeable white ladies podcast i'm hope i'm annie today's episode of the interchangeable white ladies podcast is brought to you by quarantine houseplants the flash in the pan popularity of homemade bread has subsided, and the old standby for when you're flush with unused pots and an unwelcome overabundance of time has reemerged in the public consciousness. That's right, houseplants are making a comeback, and not just among intentionally childless millennials who name and read to their Christmas cacti. Houseplants are good for you. They purify the air, beautify your space, and are scientifically proven to reduce stress and anxiety. Don't want to venture out of your house in your hand-sewn mask to steal cuttings from a mega corporate hardware store to get your houseplant fix? Patronize a local business that's doing contactless shopping or delivery so you can spend more time with your new leafy friends. Houseplants, cheaper than drugs. Our essential question today is how are small business owners coping with the coronavirus pandemic and why do we need plants now more than ever? And thank you to our special sponsor today. Uh, We have a very special guest with us. Uh, Catherine Raz is the owner of The Fern Seed, a retail plant shop based in Tacoma that is now expanding its e-commerce offerings and opening a second location to service floral. A recent transplant to Tacoma from Chicago, Catherine lives with her partner and two young children. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we are so excited just to um, simply start with a simple question, which is what is your Tacoma story? What brought you here and how did you decide to open The Fern Seed? Yeah, um... So my Tacoma story is kind of crazy because my husband and I, in 2016, we were living in Chicago. I lived in Chicago for 20 years, ever since uh, high school. I went to college there. 
And my husband and I had lived there for a long time and we had one kid and we were just having a moment of like, why are we doing this? <laughs> why do we still live here? And we were um, out to lunch together and we just had this conversation that was like, we really could live anywhere in the US. Where do we want to live? And we decided that we would move to Northern California. <laughs> we wanted to live outside of San Francisco. Um, but the reality of housing prices and just, we started doing research, just looking on Redfin, mm -hmm. all of these different places in the country. My brother lives in Puyallup. And so we'd oh. been out here a few times, but we'd never really been to Tacoma or really understood Tacoma as a city. And so we came out here to visit just to do like a research fact-finding uh, trip. And I just fell in love with Tacoma, like just the houses and the hills and the landscaping, there's palm trees and, <laughs> and it's just, you know, it feels so, it's, it's just beautiful. And especially coming from Chicago, there would just, where you don't have as much space. Um, it feels like you're living in the West and you're mm -hmm. living this, beautiful dream and yet it's affordable mm -hmm. and it's a great place to raise a family and I had really wanted to kind of quit my career as a marketing person doing digital marketing that was my background it was journalism and marketing and I wanted to I always wanted to open a store like always it was just yeah. my dream to have a little shop yeah and just we were just in that moment of like why not why not do the thing we really want to do and I thought okay well we'll move to Tacoma and I'll just open a little store I don't know what it will be but uh yeah so it was just sort of a process of if we could do anything live anywhere and do anything so I really am out here like living my dream <laughs> That's and I awesome. love Tacoma. I love it That's here. Awesome. I, your um, your story kind of makes me want to ask: What are some of the biggest differences between Chicago and Tacoma, or like the P and W switch? Um, we've actually interviewed a number of guests, oddly from the Chicago area. So I was curious what you've seen as the biggest differences. For me, the biggest difference is the focus on community and small business in Tacoma versus in Chicago. Um, I did not expect anyone, um, based on my experience living in Chicago, I just didn't expect anyone to give me the time of day. <laughs> and out here, it's like, I just have one store um, and one location. And the, the city is always in touch with you asking, how can we help? How can we help you develop? What resources? Who can we put you in touch with? What resources do you need to grow? That is was not the case in Chicago. I did have a small business in Chicago as well. It wasn't a storefront, but it was a pop-up market. So similar to like the Tacoma Night Market, I kind of did that business in Chicago. And it was like, you had to scratch and claw to yeah. get anything. Um, and out here, it's everyone just really takes the idea of shop small to heart. There's a real community support and that people seem to really understand that um, small business is important and mm -hmm. it's really supportive. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like night and day. I feel like out there, if you are not a, you know, a chef who's been on like a show, <laughs> then you're not an important entrepreneur to Chicago. People don't really care. You're just small potatoes and it's just a toxic uh, kind of a place to try and start a business when you really only have about 
you know, $80 to scrape together <laughs> to do something. And, and in Tacoma, it's like it, you get so much more support from not just the community, but really from the city and some of the, you know, the people that can pull the permits for you and find the real estate for you. And I just find that amazing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, what, so you said that you kind of came into plants, um, because you, you had a vision for a business and that was what you landed on. What, what, what made you settle on plants? Like what was the, what was the appeal? What was the appeal? What was the draw to plants? Essentially, I just found that you could not find a plant and a pot that was cute in the same place. (laughs) The maker handmade aspect of pots and the, the store I wanted to start was there. And I just thought, that should be a thing. Like you should just be able to buy a cool plant and get it potted in the, in a cool pot. And if I'm, if I have this problem, I can't be the only one that has this, you know, problem mm-hmm. <laughs> quote. Yeah. Um, and so that's <laughs> yeah, first world problems. <laughs> I started. Yeah. And I told people, I told people, oh, I have this idea to have like a modern plant shop. And somebody was like, you need to go to Portland. And, go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, and I also had a trip to LA planet, which is like, <laughs> places in LA. And I was like, Oh, so people are already doing this. Yes. But yes, I want to do this in Tacoma. And no one seems to be doing this exactly the way I have it envisioned in Tacoma. Yeah. I love that. So when you started, um, I've read, I mean, a little reading a little bit about your shop and some of the things. So I actually shout out Hope Bixby was the one who recommended you in terms of some purchases I was looking to purchase. And Annie... Yeah, there's too many of us, right? Um, <laughs> she and I worked together at Lincoln, and we worked with Annie here. And Annie, I actually mailed one of the packages that I ordered and went to Annie. The Annie, you guys got the it was a cactus, right? Cactus and the um, the kids. Uh, I don't I don't know what the other one is called, but it's it's leafy and it's super cute. Yeah, so I, I got some. I got some yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was looking yeah. just to send some plants, and our friend Hope had recommended, you know, your shop. And so reading about it, one of the things I found interesting, or the way that she told us about it, is she described you as, like, you know, women-owned, supporting the community. Your hiring practices were really, um, like, intentional. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what your vision was beyond what you mentioned already in terms of just bringing um, the, the idea of beauty of pots as well as beautiful plants together. Whether what, what other kind of things were you going into this work thinking about or wanting your business to reflect? Yeah, I'm really interested in um, the B Corp movement to start with. I worked for a B Corp in Chicago. It was a web design firm, not a storefront business or a product business. But in working with, um, we were we were designing websites for other B Corps. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with what B Corps are. Uh, just explain it because I don't know if any of our old listeners are. Yeah, so it's um, both a corporate business structure and also a certification, an independent third-party certification like fair trade. So it's two separate things. Um, but a business can be incorporated as a B Corp, which means that it's adhering to a triple bottom line practice, which is people, planet, and profit. Mm-hmm. So instead of just worrying about shareholder profit, you're also thinking and making business decisions that's baked into your corporate structure that take into account working conditions and environmental you know, concerns, um, and not just bottom line. And Mm -hmm. so, um, we had built websites for some product-based businesses that were B Corps. And I was just so interested in how people can use business as a force for good. And so I feel like I'm on that journey. I don't feel like I'm an expert on that. I feel like I'm more of a listener and a practitioner where I can 
build those things into our process. And so every time we go to do something, I'm just trying to ask myself, you know, what would the, what would the community-based thing be to do? Uh, if we, if we are profitable, how do we fold that back into mm-hmm. our employee pay? How do we, how are we fair? How do we give back to the community? And so we've done some things around, um, doing drives or, uh, like we did a hygiene drive for the Tacoma rescue mission. Um, we did a food drive around Thanksgiving. So I don't want to just run a sale for the sake of yeah. running a sale. I want to use our voice and our platform to elevate the voices of other people in the community who are doing what I consider to be like more important work, quite honestly, than just yeah. having a shop and being a boutique. Um, but I also am really, I really do feel like it storefronts are important and retail is important. So I would never downplay the idea that like, oh, I'm just a woman that has a boutique. I'm Proctor. It's like, no, storefront retail is important. Business owners take on a lot of risk to put something into the community that ultimately benefits the community. Um, but I think it's really important to think about in what other ways, um, we can use our platform to give back. And I think I'm on a learning journey with that. I don't think I've done, I mean, we're doing the best we can. Um, but I'm always like, what else can we do and how can we better bake it into our process? Although we've only been open a year. So these are like my questions that I have going forward, like strategic planning. These are my goals, you know, so (laughs) Smart goals. You're speaking Smart good goals, talk. Yes. Good talk there. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I was just going to ask you as a follow up of that. Okay, so you've been going for a year, and how many employees do you have, kind of in your business? We have four part time employees okay. right now. Okay. Awesome. And you said moving over from Chicago, um, you worked with a real estate agent to kind of choose your home. And also, I assume that same thing process for choosing where to open your storefront. Is there a reason you chose Proctor in particular? Or um, do you have any, I wouldn't say regrets necessarily, but there's a lot of interesting conversations in Tacoma about like where you cho- people choose to open businesses and access um, and opportunity for not just hiring, but also like, what does it say about supporting those communities? Um, so I was just curious about any thoughts you have about that. I have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> um, well, coming from Chicago, gentrification is a really big, uh, it's a thing that a lot of people talk about. Um, I am super interested in the topic. Again, not an expert, just mm-hmm. a student and somebody who, um, you know, I'm both part of, I want to be, you know, I can be part of the problem. I can also be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about that a lot. I think about where is where is it appropriate to start a business? Um, and, you know, I, I did think very intentionally about what does it mean um, for me to come in and start a business in a, in a town that I'm really not that familiar with. Mm-hmm. And Proctor, and also I'm a first time storefront owner. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. You know, I don't know if this is going to fail. I don't know how much foot traffic is important for um, the success of this business in particular. I don't know how much traffic we can drive through marketing channels. And so um, I spent about nine months when I first lived here, just sort of driving around and literally just sitting in a parked car. My son, who's now two and a half, 
he was not yet one. He couldn't be in daycare yet. So I had him with me <laughs> and I would just literally, I would go to MSM and get a sandwich and wait until he fell asleep. And then I would just eat my sandwich in the car, just parked in different neighborhoods, looking at foot traffic, looking at who was in the neighborhood. Um, Proctor seemed to me like a very safe bet, especially with where the farmer's market mm. is. Um, our, the, when the storefront opened and I was working with a commercial realtor who once again, Tacoma in Chicago, you can't get a commercial realtor to return your phone calls. If you're not, you know, you don't already have three stores um, out here. Um, commercial realtor that I connected with got back to me right away, met with me and just was helpful in the process of, you know, knowing about things that were coming up before they even came up for rent. Yeah. Um, and so WAG, the pet market in Proctor was coming available. And um, I just didn't see any spaces in Proctor that were vacant, that were small enough that I could afford with my mm-hmm. tiny budget. So when that came available, I thought, well, this makes sense because there's, you know, it's, it's an affluent neighborhood. Um, the foot traffic is kind of a surefire bet. And I'm not, I'm not going into a neighborhood where I don't know the demographic and where there could be any sort of conversation around me coming in and being a gentrifying force Mm -hmm. in a neighborhood that I don't belong in. And I don't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, that's again, where I, I want to still be a student of listening to other communities and understanding like where do businesses get to expand? Cause we're, we are signing a lease on a storefront in South Tacoma way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested in that neighborhood. I just find it fascinating. Like the storefronts, the building stock is beautiful. The architecture is amazing. The history of that neighborhood is really interesting in terms of how it relates to the history of Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just needed a larger footprint to be able to expand what we're doing in our business. Our storefront right now is 750 square feet. Oh, wow we're shipping and we're doing things out of that store that like once we reopen to the public, we're not going to be able to continue to do. Mm. So I was looking at warehouse space and couldn't really find warehouse space. So we decided to um, expand into a storefront down there. Hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I, I guess that's like a long answer to, I think it's a constant. Um, yeah. It's a constant concern for me and something I think about and want to be a positive force in and not a negative force, but Mm -hmm. I am a white lady with a lot of privilege and finance, you know, I have financial backing or, you know, I can come in into a neighborhood and rent a space. And I I don't want to use that as something that becomes something that's negative in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate your thoughtfulness about it. I think, I mean, to your point, like there's no, there's a lot of, um, a lot of factors that go into it. And there's, you know, also a lot of right answers and no right answer at the same time. So I, for me, you know, being, um, although I don't live in Tacoma at this current moment, yeah, I care a lot about, you know, how the neighborhoods are shifting and why they're shifting, what kind of businesses are there, what kind of access people have. I live on the east side when I'm in Tacoma, um, our house is over there. And so, and that's where Annie and I um, taught over at Lincoln High School um, on the east side. So just thinking about too, like the kinds of businesses our students and their families, we talk a lot about that on the show, um, what people have access to. So I'm, it's interesting you're, you're shifting down to South Tacoma Way and just kind of um, where that location is. Are you going to keep the storefront property in Proctor as well or just move over there completely? Yeah, no, we're keeping the storefront property okay. in Proctor. So, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll have two locations. It's, um, and it's sort of, it's sort of a strange, it, we really just need the footprint 
And it's almost like not, it's not a super planned um, execution of like opening a second location. And it's this totally branded thought through experience. I'm like, let it just sort of, we organically needed more space and, um, and found it and really like the storefront that we are renting out. Cause it has light coming in from two windows, which is oh, really cool. good for us. Um, yeah. And so I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what it's going to look like and how it's going to evolve. I don't really have a strategic plan for it, but we're in a weird time right now and where it's really hard to create a strategic plan. I'm like, you have to be flexible. And that's a great segue. So you all officially closed your storefront in early March. Is that correct? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And from what I saw um, on your Facebook page, <laughs> like a stalker, um, it looked, and I had heard this um, for our friend Hope as well, like it looked like you all closed earlier than was mandated by the state. Is that also true or how did that all kind of line up? Yeah, I mean, we we did. We closed it what ended up being a day earlier mm. or we closed, I think on the same day that Inslee announced that the stay at home order was going to go into effect. So, um, we, we were open, um, and just open regularly for business. It was a normal Saturday. The farmer's market was going on, but I had a staff person who was not feeling super jazzed about, mm coming into work in that environment. And so I filled in for that person and was there on a Saturday when I'm normally not there. And I just saw, it's it's weird to think back because it's like now the world is so changed, but I yes. remember feeling like there's too many people in this room. Mm. And I don't think people see what could possibly potentially be happening. And it wasn't for me like a worry about getting infected or p- picking something up. For me, it was a worry about I've seen my friends who work in healthcare, mostly on Instagram, talking about what's happening. Mm. Why aren't we listening to these people? Mm. It felt like a tale of two worlds. And people were saying really nice, supportive things to us. But this nice, supportive things were for us and for our business. And I just thought, like, who cares about that right now? (laughs) Yeah. And then I don't care about that. Like I just, people were saying, I'm so glad you're open and you're not reacting, like overreacting to this thing. And I'm like, I'm about to overreact. Like everyone out. Like it just, I felt, I felt really not right about it, about staying open. Um, And so I went home that Saturday night and I actually reached out to a friend of mine who works um, as a healthcare professional in Denver she's somebody I knew back from Chicago and she was on Instagram and she was saying, you know, like if you can do anything right now, stay home. And I just DM'd her and I said, Hey, what should I do? I have a store. Like, should I close the store? And she was like, "Ugh, it's such a tough decision. But if I were you, like, I would just, yes, you should close it. And I just, as a student of history, as so many of us are, I thought, is this the moment where I have to make a weird, unpopular decision that's swimming upstream where everyone else is going like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And I'm like, it's not fine. Like, it's not fine. And we weren't getting any sort of information from the governor, from the city of Tacoma. Like, they've since been amazing. Right. But in this weird gray moment, right before that happened, I was like, they're not saying anything. I emailed the city. I emailed, I like DM'd Inslee on Instagram. I was like, you got to tell <laughs> us what to do. What are we doing? Um, and Saturday night, I, I just came home and I made the decision, like, we're going to close. 
and we're going to close starting on Monday. Um, so that Sunday I went back into the store and it was kind of the same. Like, it was like, okay, um, a lot of people in here, it just doesn't feel right. And it felt people were, our staff was just starting to feel real anxious about it. Mm -hmm. And so I knew it was the right decision, but, um, I went home, I think it was that afternoon and just made the announcement. We're going to close starting on Monday. And then it was Monday that Inslee, I thought it maybe Sunday night or something. It was like, but right. It was just hours. It was a span of hours after we were like, we're closing up um, that Inslee announced that there was going to be the stay at home order. Mm-hmm. But it really did feel like we were on a ship that was taking on water and no one else was noticing. And I just was like, I have to do what's right. Even if no one else is doing it yet. And it's okay. If we lose a bunch of money, it's yeah. the right thing to do, but it was really hard. And I think, um, I don't think that there's like a story for me where it's like, you did the right thing. Yay. Here's a pat on the back. It's like, it's, that is such a difficult decision. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do because it's like, how are we going to make money and how am I going to pay people? What if this entire thing fails because of this? Um, But it was still, it just didn't based on my interactions that day and being in the neighborhood, it just didn't feel right to, continue to help people participate in clustering together, especially because our space was, is so small, Mm. you know, so uh, we did close, you know, slightly before we were ordered to. um, But I, I don't think that that's something that if another business didn't do that, it's like, I understand that economic decision as well. Well, and you all are also kind of part-time functioning, right? So there's a lot of on. You've shifted a bit to online sales as well, as from what I understand. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and your why you decided to do that and how that actually has impacted your employees? Yeah. Um, so my background was never. I mean, I said I studied journalism and mm-hmm. I studied marketing, or I was a marketer. But you know, in between going to school for journalism and getting marketing jobs, I did a lot of side hustle type of jobs. I sold on eBay. I had a vintage shop on Etsy um, and I sold books on Amazon. I would go to thrift stores and find books and then like sell them on Amazon. And that was how I made my money for a long time. Um, so I didn't like get an MBA from an Ivy league school. I didn't go work for like a huge investment firm or advertising firm. So when this all went down, I feel like I just was like, yep, well, we're the cockroaches here and this is how cockroaches make money during an economic downturn. Um, we're going to put all our plants on Etsy now and we're going to sell our plants on Etsy because that's another market that's never heard of us and people buy things there. So, um, oh, by the way, we'll be shipping plants, which we've never done before, but how hard can it be? Like, here, I'm sure we could just roll it in cardboard. And, um, and so we really, we had been planning to do a lot of things with the business um, we were already sort of planning to open up a second location where we could do floral um, because we were thinking about kind of opening a, a floral studio as well. Um, but then also selling online and doing some of the things that we launched during the pandemic. So we thought about doing plant grams, so little potted mm-hmm. plants that you can send in a maker pot anywhere. I was like, that seems like yeah, I mean, it seems like a cute idea that... it's They're so stinking cute. We're going to link to um, the website in the show notes. But if you haven't Googled it, look up the Fernseed Grams. They're so adorable. Yeah, that anyway, was I our, keep going. <laughs> that was our big idea. And then also, um, one of our staff people, as we were sort of shutting down, she came up with this idea 
Um, what if we did kits that people could put together at home, either with kids or grownups could do them because everyone was so focused on kids' activities and online learning. And so Amelia, she just, at like, we still, I think, had people coming into the store at this point, but she was just like, this is what the kit should be. Pulled it all together, took a photo of it, and we had an online listing for it, like, by that night was our plant-along-at-home mm-hmm. kids' potting activity, where it's just a plant and a pot um, and some dirt and the tools that you need to pot the plant. But the idea being that we would pair it with video content, that we would do Instagram mm-hmm. lives. And we've since made recorded videos to kind of... Um, you know, streamline the process, but where you can buy something and then there's like a, a kit or a video content that goes with it that shows you how it goes all together. Yeah. We launched all of those things, which we had planned to sort of do anyway, but we yeah. accelerated it and figured out how to ship overnight. And my feeling was like, you know, I didn't know what the unemployment situation was going to be. I didn't know what the bailout situation was going to be. I just knew the one thing I knew is I I'm scrappy and I will pull, I will sell whatever. I will pull the fixtures off the walls and sell them to pay these people and keep them employed to keep this business afloat. I will do whatever it takes. Um, And, you know, I think in the beginnings of, of when we were starting to shut down, we probably threw too much into the pile to try and, you know, to do all the things. Um, I think we could have probably taken a more relaxed approach Um, but we just were, I'm trying to figure out what is it that we still have and why do people buy online from a plant shop? What can we package and how can we sort of market it as almost a different product than Mm. when you come into the store? What's the reason that you buy in the store versus buy at home online during a pandemic? And so we've taken a big hit to our sales, like to be sure people are like, you're so successful. How many more plants have you sold? I'm like, no, we've taken about a 50% hit in our sales and people's hours have for sure been reduced and everyone's working from home and there's only so much you can do working from home. Um, but it's really been my goal to make sure that people are still, if they, you know, we've been able to guarantee a certain number of hours through June one, mm-hmm. no matter what happens based on what we had in the bank and some money that we knew was coming. So, um, that I thought was important just so people would know what they could get from the business they work for versus what they could get from unemployment and make an informed mm-hmm. decision there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that actually is a really great spot to take a quick break and then we'll come right back. giant global companies are basically lawless now and are trying to overpower our democracy to protect their profit margins? Yes. And how it's basically impossible to opt out of the late capitalist system we've created? Sis, you don't have to tell me. Well, listen, I found a first step. Tapco Credit Union, Pierce County's original credit union. Really? Tell me more. Well, credit union means they're not-for-profit financial cooperative, and they exist to enrich their members, not some big bank shareholders somewhere out of state. And they are Pierce County's credit union, dedicated to serving the local community, just like Channel 253. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. Well, what about their services? I mean, I can't live without mobile banking. Am I right? Right, right. So now you don't have to choose between important services and your ethics because TAPCO offers mobile banking, access to a nationwide ATM network, plus lower fees and better rates than a lot of the big guys. Ooh, I've got to say, I'm pretty impressed with that. TAPCO's a local choice. To learn more about keeping your money local, visit tapcocu.org. Thank you, TAPCO, for your support of this podcast and Channel 253. 
and we're back. So listen, I got a frenzy delivery. It was the, I believe it was the kids kit um, from Hope. And it was just like such a, it's like such a gift. Like I was so excited when I came in the mail and it was beautifully wrapped. It was beautifully packaged. It was like, like everything about even like the packaging is like pretty. Okay. So I'm opening it. Like my wife's helping me open it. We're unwrapping everything. And she, she says, I don't remember exactly what she said. Hope she said something like, um, um, special delivery from Hope or something like that. And she opened it. Cause you guys it didn't even know what it was. Right. I just said, I yeah, you got a package you know, coming. Yeah. Like, package was a package coming in the mail and we were just opening it. We, you know, sight unseen or whatever. And so, um, Catherine was describing how rolling the plants and cart like rolls of cardboard. And so Angela pulled the tape up and unrolled it. And the plant just like, just rolled off the cardboard and just like onto the floor and it was just like pure comedy. Like it's like so funny. We didn't know it was gonna roll away. So then it rolled away. Um and we we saved it. It was fine. But um that's my funny story about um my frenzy delivery. It's science, it's brain science. I in the ad I was talking about how they reduce stress and anxiety, but I didn't make that up. I found that in on on the internet. That's science. That makes your brain happy. Dopamine and stuff. And you look at your plants, you take care of your plants, and even though they can't respond to you, they do respond to you. Because think about, like, if you have a, if you have a, uh, I don't know, like a spider plant, where when they get, when they need water, they get really weepy. They're just like, oh, I'm so sad, right? So then you water it, and the next day, it's like, hey, I'm back, yeah. right? And so, I mean, just you get that little biofeedback, and uh, your brain's like, yeah. yeah, I can take you something. I'm not a total loser. Yeah, the no, spider great. plant I had in college, and that was like the only thing I could grow. That and what is an air fern? Like I was like, this isn't real, but they they are right, and like that's yeah. a perfect non killing, non killing plant. Do yeah. you have a favorite uh, favorite plant? My or favorite plants, plant I now. Um, I mean, I love just giant cacti. Um, <laughs> Christmas cacti. And uh, I really like Dracaena. I have a lot of Dracaena in my house because they are, there's a lot of different varieties of Dracaena and they can look kind of palm-like, but they don't require the same level of care as a palm. They're a little bit more easygoing and low light tolerance and they grow pretty fast. So um, my thing in the past year has been to get rid of all of my little tiny shelf plants and to replace them with like giant mm. plants. Um, and so Dracaena, again, it's like a lot of plant bang for your buck. You can get a pretty yeah. huge you know, plant for not a lot of money nice. um, and they're hard to kill. So, you know, we see it a lot where people are like, I want a giant plant and they'll come and want to buy like a fiddle leaf fig and they're extremely finicky. Like any ficus is really finicky. I have some ficus that I can't even keep alive. But a Dracaena, you could get a three-foot-tall, four-foot-tall Dracaena. You're not going to kill that thing even if you, you know, leave for three months and come back. It'll still be fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're talking about what we're going to do this summer because right now they're all out. But the temperature is starting to creep up to the 100. So we're like, keep an eye out. And we eventually are going to transition them, I think, into our apartment for the summer because it's just too hot. Although. I feel yeah. like the desert rose. I mean, like that thing grows. That's the whole kind of climate it's supposed to be. be right? okay. The desert rose it, be There's not really rain, so it's not like it needs a little bit of watering. Yeah. yeah. You got to water it. You got to sometimes yeah. water it. 
Yeah. Um, I guess one more question about your shop I was going to ask is, as you think about, you know, the closure and where you're at now and kind of this coming up to that June 1st date you mentioned with your employees, um, are there any other things that you think are some unintended or unanticipated outcomes from the closure, maybe positives may, or even just things you're like starting to grapple with as a, a small business owner? And then I don't know, kind of related, were you able to um, apply for that grant that was going around in Tacoma there or in the state? Um yeah. yeah, we did apply for the Tacoma grant and got that grant, which was nice. Um, I have the letter from being uh, from getting the grant. Like they sent out a letter and it was like congratulations or whatever it was. Like you're, yeah, we accepted you and you got. And I, I actually cried when because it, it was like not just that we it was helpful and again Tacoma like that's amazing. But also, I think it was the first time that the business has ever gotten any sort of money from an outside source that wasn't me. It was like, it's a real thing. It got yeah. money from a loan. Like it thought, <laughs> Tacoma thought it was important enough to yeah. help it. Um, but we did get some of that funding and we got the payroll protection funding. Great. Um, I still have my SBA portal that I have to log in um, and figure all that stuff out. I mean, it's been a real... I mean, I have two young children at home. And so mm-hmm. trying to do all of these things, my staff has been amazing. They've been carrying mm-hmm. the entire shipping, packaging, delivery system throughout all of this. And mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, and I've been working on the admin side, but it's just been a real struggle because my kids are at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've I've been able to rely on my staff who in, in a moment, in a few days was like, Oh, we're doing this now. Okay. We're shipping plants now. Let's, that's what we need to do. And figuring out systems of communication. And, you know, before all this happened, I was the person who did most of the things because they were working in the store, helping customers while I did some ordering or, you know, ordered supplies, that kind of thing. And I think what this entire experience has taught me is that my team is really resilient um, that people are capable of, you know, if you ask people to step up, mm-hmm. they really will. Um, when I started this business, knowing what I knew about retail and small business, I intentionally hired people, not who had had like a bunch of super finessed customer service experience, but people who had been in crazy situations in their work careers, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where they had experience of, um, you know, when, when things get crazy, you don't feel like you need a game plan. You can just drop into a situation. So one of our staff people actually worked for FEMA. Oh, (laughs) Her, Her career background was like, she worked for FEMA and she worked at a liquor store. I was like, that's great. That's a really interesting overlapping set of skills. I feel like so useful. Yeah, I think that, you know, I I do try to intention, and I always try to hire off of Craigslist to find people Mm -hmm. that aren't just already in our circle Mm -hmm. of people that know about us and know about a plant shop in Tacoma, but just people who are on Craigslist looking for jobs. I feel like you find really amazing people there who have Mm -hmm. such a wide variety of backgrounds. And so um, I knew that starting a small business was not going to be a walk in the park, and I wanted people around me in this process where I knew there would be moments of panic who knew how to just 
roll with the punches mm. when everything goes out the window. <laughs> yeah. And so my team has really been able to do that. And I feel like when you have people on your team or who work for you, um, who can do that, you can really kind of pivot into anything and you have mm. to be flexible. Um, even retail, storefront retail, like I'm super passionate and I'm a real advocate for um, small business, especially bootstrap businesses that don't get investor money, people that want to come in and have a stake in the community. But I think it's unfortunate that there's a real conversation or there seems to be this real perception that those businesses are not equipped to grow and mm -hmm. to, you know, it's like, oh, maybe you'll franchise or whatever. But unlike a startup, it's like they're just supposed to be tiny and not really marketing savvy. And a lot of the like help that's geared toward real small business owners is like super basic stuff that's ultimately not the most helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that a lot of a lot of people that own street level retail businesses, including restaurants in all these communities across the U.S., have shown that they're just as capable as like a Silicon Valley startup, if not more at like figuring out what needs to be done in a crisis. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have like shuttered, but then become a hub for collecting donations or they're doing, you know, the work that needs to be done in that community versus like an Amazon, which mm -hmm. is doing nothing and is, you know, even harmful. Um, and so I think that this bailout, the money that's become available is just something that I think it's made me realize. And, you know, one of the things you have to check on the box as you are going through getting money from the SBA, I don't think the city of Tacoma had it is like, do you have, what's your, what's your uh, criminal record? Mm -hmm. um, so you have like, you can't really have ever been in prison in order to, or I don't know if you, but you have to report if you have to like borrow money from the SBA. And I think like, it's made me realize that there are just so many barriers to, um, to starting and funding and then getting money to maintain mm -hmm. a small business. And I think it's like, if this is the backbone of your community and you do want to do things like make that available to yep. everyone. Yeah. And you have to democratize access to mm -hmm. funding and loans because even the funds that we do get, there's a personal guarantee for those, those funds. When you borrow from the SBA, I think, um, you know, you, if the business goes bankrupt, you're still personally liable to pay those back. So yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of barriers that are still there that, you know, again, as I say, like I'm on a journey, like I'm still learning, but I'm like, Hey, if this is actually the case, like we should change this. And what can I do in my career and in my business to bring attention to these things and to try to change them from the mm -hmm. level where we are. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Do you want to ask advice question? Uh, so she has yeah. A, a I'm just, I, I wrote a question. I, you know, kind of thinking about you are experiencing this unique success in Tacoma that is really um, amazing and beautiful. And um, we're really happy that you're here in our community. Um, what advice would you give to other female small business owners or aspiring entrepreneurs right now? Because right now is the times are weird, right? Um, but like you have had this success and you are doing really well. Like what, what would you say? Like, what would you say to those folks who are interested in starting a small business or um, kind of, you know, making their own way. Well, thank you. First of all, um, 
I, the first thing I would say is, um, call me. Like, <laughs> I want to talk to people who are interested in starting small businesses because I think from my own personal background, um, I always, and it, I, I've always felt like there were barriers. Mm. And some of those barriers were my own my own approach or my own small mindedness around what I was capable of. And I don't know where that came from. It was my own baggage, Mm -hmm. but I think that's something that a lot of people have to get over. If, um, you know, I worked in the startup community in Chicago for a while and there's a real attitude that you can fail up there. Mm -hmm. And and there's like a, a whole culture around failure and it's okay to fail and you should gun it for your failures. And like, um, I think that's, that's <laughs> Doug's face right now, as you said, that is the best. I'm just going to let the <laughs> listeners who can't see it notice the furrow brow and the scorn. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> just for a lot of people, they don't have the capacity to fail. Um, that's really scary. And yet you hear all these stories of people that have built businesses but then there's always this like deus ex machina of the (laughs) dc capital coming in and no one had to figure out how to make money nobody had you know we didn't have a plan it's you know or or people weren't really passionate about that topic they just maybe thought they could start a business about now there's a real thing when a man starts a business around some sort of like female topic like children's clothing everyone thinks in that meeting that he must be really on to a money-making idea but if a woman pitches the exact same business it's a hobby Mm -hmm. and it's just like some little thing that she wants to do because she wants to stay home part-time with her kids and I mean that's a real message that I think a lot of people hear and maybe it's subconscious um, but it definitely exists Mm. I think right now we're in a really interesting time. I don't think that we are, I mean, we've seen a lot of small business support even through uh, what we're being told. And if you look on the news, feels like it's drastic times. And sure, a lot of people are losing their jobs and a lot of people are on unemployment, but we still have a lot of customers. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think it's a thing of like, you can't start a business right now. I think- Mm -hmm you have to be resilient in starting a business and you have to be flexible. And I really do think that um, for somebody who's thinking about starting a business right now, the best advice that I could give is just what is the smallest low risk way that you Mm. can get that idea off the ground and start doing it now? Because when you say you're doing a thing, you're doing a thing Mm -hmm. and people start responding to it. So even just having an Etsy shop or, you know, um, whatever the, the leanest, smallest way is that you can get out there. If you're a grandma, I have a friend right now who's, um, has always wanted to do her own line of illustrated greeting cards. Mm-hmm. And she, during this time, like she was furloughed for a while and she just started her Instagram feed saying, I'm doing these illustrations now. And she's doing custom illustrations. Well, she's already got a commission to do a wall mural, some tattoos yeah. for people, wedding invitations, so start small and there's yeah. no risk in starting that small. It's not a scary time if you're starting, starting small and not taking on a bunch of risk um, mm-hmm. and that you can do it, you know, but call me. I want to help you. <laughs> how can people get a hold of you? Should they just go to your website? Is there an email address? Um, how can they find you on social media? Yeah, my email is Catherine at the 
And that I think that's on our website, on the Fernseed website. And then my Instagram handle is the real Catherine Raz. <laughs> I've told people, you can just contact me on Instagram. I'll I'll talk to you about your business idea because I love talking about that stuff. Cool. And I could talk about that all day. I could just hash out people's business ideas with them. I'm like, I'll do it for free. I don't care. You just you call yeah. me with your idea. That's awesome. Um, let's jump to our final segment, Annie. What do you think? Oh, sounds great. Our final segment is do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. So in this segment, I just simply want to say um, the homework is to go check out the Fern Seed online. Follow them on Facebook. Um, if you see something that you love, um, order it, send a little gram, support the business, um, support the employees, and then also other businesses do a little bit of, we'll try to link in the show notes to a few other businesses in Tacoma that also are doing that work and you can help, um, help support them as well. So that would be my homework for listeners. Uh, other homework, Annie? Yeah. So I, um, love TikTok. So I would recommend that you go to TikTok, um, and look up um, what folks are doing uh, with in terms of like home gardening. Um, there's a there's a kind of aesthetic thing that teenagers are doing. Well, adults do okay, but like um, it's called cottage core on TikTok, and it's basically just like dreamy pictures of like plants and like tea and like essentially. I I mean, just go get immersed in that because you're gonna feel like you will do it, and then you will feel like I need plants, and then you'll get plants, and then the plants will make you happy. So I mean, like. It's really just a gateway to get plants. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. All right, Catherine, how about you? What um, what kind of homework are you going to assign people today? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to work hard to replace some sort of category of my spending on Amazon with somebody local. Mm. And um, one thing that I've discovered with Tacoma is that King's Books can pretty much get yeah. you any book. So if there's a book that you're thinking about buying and um, – you find it on Amazon, like just go to King's books. I think on their website, you can, um, you can just look it up and they'll special order it for you. I don't know if they're doing it right now. I'm assuming that they probably still can. Mm-hmm. They're still shipping uh, as far as I understand. But any category or like if you're buying beauty product, whatever you can replace, like find mm-hmm. somebody local and just, I'm trying to get off Amazon this year, <laughs> but yeah, that's really it's hard to do it all at once. It's like one category, separate, find a local replacement. That's really smart. (laughs) Catherine, we're so happy that you took time out of your morning to talk to us a little bit about your vision, your business. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really flattered that you asked. And I love what you're doing with this show. I am now uh, a lifelong listener. (laughs) Fantastic. Perfect. (laughs) All right. We'll catch you later, sooner than later, hopefully. Thank you. Bye. A lot has happened in the couple of weeks since we recorded our interview. Um, Our shop reopened to the public um, June 6th, I think, in a limited fashion as part of phase two. So face masks, sanitizing, social distancing. um, But our doors are open, and it's been a real healing experience to reconnect with our customers um, in a place that I think... On our best days, we really do bring a sense of peace and happiness to our customers and to our staff. Uh, It's such an antidote to being stuck inside and isolated and having our heads kind of buried in our phones. Uh, There's a real need for human connection, and we get that now. But we're also balancing that with, you know, the idea that 
this causes a risk that the virus might spike again and we're not out of the clear and this disproportionately affects um, you know, the high-risk populations. And it's not about our, bu- our need to make money. Um, businesses have kind of been used as a pawn uh, in this whole reopening the economy debate. And we don't want to be a part of that. But it's nice to see people and meet with them. Um, but if we need to close again, we will. Um, but business has been good. I mean, we are right back where we left off. We're maybe even a little busier than we normally have. And I think because we've added delivery and shipping and local pickup, that's really helped. Um, and to keep that going, you know, we're in the position of having to expand the business. I mean, there's no way to do it in our current tiny location. The market is there and we're trying to meet that need, but it's been a lot of work and it's a difficult time to be doing that work. Honestly, um, we're bringing on three new staff people next week and um, we're building out uh, the new location that we have on South Tacoma Way as sort of a fulfillment center just to start with. Um, and it's a lot going on and it's been, it's been a lot, it's a huge cognitive load and it's a risky place to be. And um, it's not been easy, but we're, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm working through it. So, um, but I think more importantly, the deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and just the wave of support for the Black Lives Matter movement has really dominated my headspace and been a part of what I'm working on as we expand. I think um, I said a few times during the podcast that I'm on a learning journey and That is even more apparent now as I try to navigate what it even means to be a business owner, especially a white business owner, during like what I think is a real paradigm shift and a necessary and important paradigm shift. Um, But I'm here for it. You know, it's made me call into question a lot of things that I previously thought that were just like doing the work of having a business, like we're going to do good by adding adding like a giving back element to our business and that sort of just like checks a box and we're good to go and we don't have to think about it anymore and uh, I'm just re-examining that whole idea I mentioned the B Corp movement in our interview but you know in the past couple weeks I honestly I don't think they've been doing a good job at looking at how much white supremacy is kind of baked into some of the business models that they uphold so I've been in the process of not just building a growing business, whatever that looks like right now, but really re-examining what the very nature of success looks like and kind of looking for new leaders in this space and new people to look up to. So um, some of the things I've been doing the past couple of weeks are just connecting with a real mentor in social entrepreneurship, the founder of DC Central Kitchen. Um, whose work I've really admired for a while. So um, just having those conversations with people who are, I think, entrenched in this work has been really good for me in trying to refocus my direction. Um, We've really connected further with the Tacoma Rescue Mission to ask how we can use our business not just to sort of meet the immediate needs um, in our community in the forms of doing fundraisers and drives, but 
like what it means to be a high impact donor or partner to really help alleviate some of the causes of homelessness in our community and um, the need for jobs. And finally, I reached out to volunteer with both the Tacoma Public Schools to speak to high school kids about entrepreneurship and starting businesses and a kind of a new nonprofit in Tacoma called Urban Business Support. And their whole aim is to help businesses in gentrifying communities in Tacoma stay in those communities and thrive in those communities and promote development while also preventing displacement which if I'm being honest, really, it, that feels like the work I want to be involved in for the rest of my life. I mean, that has been a huge interest for me. And I'm really excited to both help with that, but also learn from that. So I'm really looking forward to continuing to do all of this work with the humility that I don't have all the answers. Um, but to be a part of a community that's not just about building businesses here in Tacoma, but um, creating a whole ecosystem that's resilient and supported and thriving. I think we all just want to live a good life in a prosperous town. And I'm here to be a part of that work. So thank you again so much for having me on the show. Um, this has just been a great experience all around. And I really appreciate the opportunity to sort of talk about what we're doing and what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, thank you. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. Well, that's I'm great. hiding in my bedroom. I hope that's okay. Sure, yeah. I'm in our <laughs> I'm in my second bedroom in this like weird concrete room that we have here. And then Annie, you're where are you today? You're not in a closet. No, I'm in my I'm in our bedroom. So there's wall stuff in the wall. <laughs> Hey, y'all, don't forget to grab your copy of The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor for our Read Less Basic book club. Follow the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Read Less Basic. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.